Oh, hold on just a second. I have a friend request. Mark Hill. Don't know him. You know, we're always curious when we get friend requests, aren't we? Do you know how many friends the average Facebook user has? 338. 338, the average Facebook user friends. They're called friends, but, well, that term is used loosely. Facebook users say that 28% of their friends they really aren't even that close to, and they would not consider them friends in person. 39% of the friends on our friends list are people we have never met. So how many true friends do you have? This morning, we conclude a five-week sermon series from the book of Proverbs entitled Design, Building Your Life from the Proverbs. And we've been looking, how do you build the best life to live possible? Well, God has advice for us as to how to do that. We've been looking at the uh, Hebrew concept of the word chokmah, C-H-O-K-M-A-H, the Hebrew word that is translated wisdom that's all the way through the book of Proverbs, but it's, it's more than wisdom. Our translation in the English is more closer to the word skill. But hogmah is a revered concept, and the Hebrew culture was in Scripture, even as today, that it's a design of life that this is, you live in this way, it's the best life lived. Now, in our current culture, we kind of do the opposite. We just kind of, well, I'm going to do me. I'm going to, I'm going to be who I am. I'm going to be true to myself and ask God to bless it. Well, the Hebrew concept's backwards. You don't just be you. You have a design you fit into. And that is the best possible life you can live. It's not what you think is best, but how God has created you and designed you. So there are five themes that run throughout the chokmah, the, the Proverbs, the wisdom, the design. We look the first Sunday at, at your tongue. It's, it's impossible to live the best life God has designed for you if, you if you can't control your tongue. We look the following week at anger, your temper. You can't live the best life God designed for you if you can't control your temper. And then we look the third week at family relationships. There are responsibilities, Proverbs says, that husbands have and wives have and children have and parents have. And we looked at how those fit together. And then last Sunday, we looked at money because the Proverbs have more than 60 things to say about money. And so you cannot live the best life God has designed for you if you do not honor God with the first fruits and give to Him the tithe. You just can't do it. And so this morning, we're going to look at the fifth of the themes, and that is the theme of friendship. The Bible talks a lot about friends, about having friends, about being a friend. It talks a lot about that. So we're going to look at what Proverbs say about friends. On this National Friend Day, did you know the first Sunday in August every year is National Friend Day has been since the 1930s. So on this Friend Day, Friends Day, and before we observe the Lord's Supper, let's look at nine principles from the Proverbs 
concerning friendships. Principle number one, first of all, choose friends carefully. Number one, choose your friends very carefully. Proverbs 12, 26. Look, look what it says. One who is righteous is a guide to his neighbor, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. The word righteous means just or lawful. So the, the just, the lawful, are to be sought after as a guide to his neighbor, but the way of the wicked causes you to go astray or to err. So what Proverbs tells us, be very careful in choosing your friends, your close friends. You can, be, you can have relationships with unbelievers. Try to be a witness to them. Try to share Christ with them. But your closest friends, those people that influence you the most, they need to be Christians. They need to be followers of Christ. They make sure they love Christ and follow Christ. Be careful in choosing who your very best friends are. Ben Franklin said, be slow in choosing your friends and even slower in changing your friends. There's a lot of truth in that. A lot of Christians have made the mistake, their closest companions don't follow Christ. They're not devout followers of Christ, and it starts to lead them astray. You may be one of those this morning. You, you may have as your closest friendships those people who don't really care anything about God or church or Christ. And folks, that is a mistake. Proverbs says, first of all, choose your friends carefully that they have a godly influence upon you. Principle number two. Proverbs 13, 20, you become like your friends. You become like the people you hang out with. Look at what Proverbs 13, 20 says. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. The word walks means go with. And the word wise is the word hokmah we've been talking about. So whoever walks with hokmah becomes hokmah. If you want to be wise, walk with the wise. Because you will become like your friends. Now, my parents told me that whenever I was a child growing up, and they told me till they were blue in the face whenever I was a teenager, and it went in one ear and out the other, and I rolled my eyes. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay, I know, I know, I got it. Birds of a feather flock. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay, I got it, I got it. But I started noticing something. They were right. My friends that were defiant, I became defiant. My friends that question the parents' authority, I begin to question my parents' authority. Those friends that were negative, I became negative. Those that were sarcastic, I became sarcastic. Those that cursed, I started to curse. I told the jokes they told. I became them. That is exactly what Proverbs tells us. You become 
like those people you make your closest friends. You become them. So since this proverb is true, make sure, folks, that your closest friends have a passion to follow Jesus. Because if they do, you will. If they don't, you won't. Number three, gossip separates friendships. Gossip separates friendships. Look at Proverbs 17, 9. Whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. Gossip is a problem in relationships. Somebody tells somebody, they tell somebody, they tell somebody. It gets back to the original person, and oh my goodness, you have an uproar. Even among Christians, gossip is a problem in the church. Now, there are some things we would never do as believers. We would never go to a bar, we'd never get drunk, we'd never do drugs. We never know, you know, we're good Baptists, but boy, we sure don't mind gossiping. And gossip separates close friendships, what the proverb says. How many close friendships have ended? Some of them forever. Because somebody said something that said something that said something that got back to you. Probably some people here this morning. You have former friends, used to be close friends. But somehow they said something and got back to you, and you wrote them off. Proverbs is right. Gossip separates friends. Number four, a friend is there during the difficult days. A friend is going to be there when the times are tough. You get Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. In Hebrew, it literally means a friend loves at all times, a brother bears for you trouble. Charles Spurgeon said, I would rather be chained wrist to wrist, sitting in a prison with a Christian, than be free from chains, enjoying the world. The lost man. The friend is going to be there. The times are tough. I want you to do something. I want you to look back over the toughest times of your life. Maybe you lost a loved one. Maybe you lost a job. Maybe you have had a heart attack or you've had a cancer diagnosis. The, the darkest hours of your life, look back and think, when, when were those and, and who were the people that were there for you? The people that were there? Those are your true friends. Those are the ones that are really your friends. Because whenever times are hard, they don't walk out on you. They're there with you. Three times the Proverbs tell us, chapter 19, verse 4, chapter 19, verse 6, chapter 14, verse 20. Three times the Proverbs tell us, as long as you got money, you're going to have friends. That's right. 
You got some things you can give to them. You're going to have a lot of friends. But when the money runs out and the times get hard, a lot of people are going to leave. But the ones that stay, they're your close friends. Number five, your heart and your speech affect your friendships. Your heart and your speech affect your friendships. Look at Proverbs 22, 11. He who loves purity of heart, means clean heart, and whose speech is gracious, it means favor, granting favor, will have the king as his friend. Who doesn't want a friend that's got a pure heart and speak gracious words? Everybody wants to be around people like that. So many friends are not like that. So many friends don't have a pure heart. They have a conniving heart. They have an ulterior motive in mind. And so many friends don't have gracious lips and favorable lips. They have sarcastic lips, negative lips, cutting lips, words. But if you have a pure heart and gracious lips, everybody will want to be your friend, even the king. So seek people who have pure hearts and favorable lips. And seek to be a person who has a clean heart and favorable lips. Principle number six, Proverbs 22, verses 24 and 25. Watch out for friends with anger issues. Watch out for friends with anger issues. Look at what Proverbs 22 says. Make no friendship with a man given to anger, nor go with a wrathful man, lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. Now, in Hebrew, it's very interesting. The word make no friendship is the word picture of a cow grazing grass. Don't have fellowship. Don't eat around a table. Don't have any kind of close fellowship with an angry man. The word literally means nostril. It means to flare your nostrils when you're getting mad. And the word that's used there for, uh, at, the, at the end of the verse, for furious men is the word heat, hot. Boy, we know what it means to be hot in Texas right now, don't we? A hot man, one that flares his nostrils. Don't make him your closest go-to-eat buddy. And do it. Somebody has anger issues, you stay away from them. Well, Pastor, wait a minute. People with anger issues, they need friends too. Tell them to get rid of their anger issues. They'll have friends. Now, a lot of you need to hear this. Maybe you're choosing a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a close friend, and they got a hot temper. Get out of there. That's what Proverbs says. Stay away trouble why Proverbs tells us because you become like them and Proverbs says stay away from an angry man if you don't you will be ensnared in the same snare therein you're going to become an angry person 
don't have anything to do with people, anger issues. Some of you may need to change friends this morning. Get away. Number seven. True friends tell you the truth. Proverbs 27, 6. True friends tell you the truth. Look at 27, verse 6. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Literally means supportive are the bruises of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy abound. So, in other words, we're told we need to make as our closest friends those people who will be honest with us. Now, I mean not mean-spirited and just kind of tell us off. I'm, I'm talking about a good spirit, but they're honest. They don't tell you what you want to hear. They tell you the truth. And folks, those people are hard to find. Somebody who will tell you what God says, what God has spoken, they are a valuable friend. Those people that will tell you, again, not what you want to hear. An abundance of people tell you what you want to hear. But somebody that will be honest with you, look you in the eyes, and tell you the truth for your best. Hang on to those friends. Those are, those are good friends. Not many of them out there. Hang on to them. Number eight, true friends give good advice. Proverbs 27, 9. True friends give good advice. Look what Proverbs says. Oil and perfume make the heart glad. And the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. Listen to what it literally means. Ointment and perfume rejoice the heart, but so does the sweetness of a man's friend who gives good soul advice. Seek advice from close friends who will give you good advice. Not everybody gives you good advice. Not everybody will tell you what God says, what God values, how God says to live your life. Not many people will do that anymore. There are a lot of people out there that will give you advice that they think is for your best. Well, you need to stand up to them. You need to do this. You deserve better than that. You need to start looking out for you. You need to look out for number one. You've been walked over long enough. There are a lot of people who give you wrong advice because it's all about you, 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 you. But somebody who will look at God's Word and give you advice from that, and it's not just about you. Man, they're valuable. You just don't find many of them. But they're valuable. I pray that the members of First Baptist Church will be people. They seek you out as a friend. Because you'll be honest with them. You'll tell them what God says, not just what they want to hear, not what the world tells them. You'll be honest. And I pray they will seek us out. And finally, number nine, true friends make you better. Proverbs 27, 17. True friends 
They don't make you a worse person. They make you a better person. Look at what it says, 27, 17. Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. Literally, literally in Hebrew, it means iron makes other iron alert, keen. And so one man sharpens the face, the countenance of his friend. Somebody said one time that you will make more friends in two months if you're genuinely interested in them then you will make an entire life when you're trying to convince people how good you are. So real friends make you better. Real friends draw you closer to God, not further away. Real friends make you more obedient to God. Close, godly friends make you seek God's counsel. So this morning, if you find yourself more distant from God, if you find yourself not really wanting to be here, if you find yourself not really interested in spiritual things, look at your friends. They're probably the same way. If you find yourself not better, it's not a good friend. Stay away from them. Make those people your close friends who will make you better. Some of you may need to change friends today. Oh, the value of a good, godly friend living life with them. John Fawcett became the pastor of a little small Baptist church in England in 1765. The name of the little church was called Wayne's Gate. It was up uh, northern part of England in Yorkshire, and um, he was saved under the preaching of George Whitfield. John Fawcett was 25 years old, married his wife Mary, and they took the pastor to this little small church out in the middle of nowhere. The people were friendly, they were great. They just are very, very poor. Most of them were shepherds. Most of them were farmers. They said, you know, we, we can't pay you much, but we'd love for you to come as our pastor. And so they paid him a small salary and gave him some wool when they could, gave him some produce, some fruit, and some potatoes when they could. But he really didn't have much. But, man, he loved those people. He said they were the dearest friends he'd ever had. little small church there, Yorkshire, England. John and Mary pastored there for seven years. They said they were some of our dearest friends. John's now 32, and larger churches started calling. In fact, one of the most influential churches in London, 200 miles away, called. We'd like for you to be our pastor. John said, absolutely, we'll be there. So John told the congregation that God has called me to another church in London, Carter Lake Church. Oh, that was a good one. Large, a lot of money, prestigious. Dr. John Gill was retiring. He'd been there 51 years. Benjamin Keach had been there before him. In fact, it was the same church that would become Metropolitan Tabernacle that Charles Spurgeon would pastor. He said, absolutely, we'll be there. And so he told the little congregation, God has called us to go to London and 
Oh, they grieved and tears broke out across the congregation. Came time for his final sermon at Wayne's Gate. John Fawcett stood and preached that Sunday morning and had six or seven wagons lined up out front. As soon as the service is over, they were going to load their belongings and start heading up to London. They didn't have U-Hauls in those days. So he preached, and he went outside. He and Mary started loading the wagons, and the congregation came with them, and they helping them load, and just tears streaming down the congregation's face. John and Mary, we love you dearly. You are dear friends. As they were loading the wagons, Mary went over to the side and started to weep and said, John, this is so hard. We're leaving friends. John said, Mary, I, I feel the same. To be honest, whenever Carter Lake called, I let me know. I, I didn't pray about it. I just thought you'd go. It's such a great church. I didn't even pray about it. But I feel now we ought to stay. She said, I do too. So John and Mary walked back around the wagons and announced to the congregation out there helping them load that God has really led us to stay, and we're going to stay here with you. There were shouts of jubilation and hugs and tears of joy this time. John and Mary Fawcett stayed at Wayne's Gate for the next 47 years. They never left. Never got more than $200 a year in salary. Oh, he got some wool and some fruit and potatoes from time to time. Raised four kids on it. The very next Sunday, by the way, Wayne's Gate Church is still there. You can go see it today with a plaque of John Fawcett's name at the bottom. The very next Sunday after he announced to them that I'm going to stay, he preached from Luke 12, 15. that says... A man's life does not consist of the things of which he possesses. And he told the congregation that morning, I have something much better than gold and silver. I have you. You are dear friends. And he said, I've written a song for you. And he closed the sermon that day with a song he had written entitled Brotherly Love. Now, we don't know the titled Brotherly Love, but we do know the song. Hear the words. Blessed be the tie that binds our hearts in Christian love. The fellowship of kindred minds is like to that above. Before our Father's throne, we pour our ardent prayers, our fears, our hopes, our aims are one our comfort, and our cares. Oh, the value of good godly friends. So as we think about the Lord's Supper, a couple of things come to my mind. Proverbs 18.24 says, There is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. We're told in Genesis that Abraham was a friend of God. And Jesus said in John 15, 13, No greater love has any man than a man lay down his life for his friends. Dear Christian, you're a friend of God.
Lord, I, I pray today that as we observe the Lord's Supper together, I want to thank you, Jesus, for what you've done in calling us friends. Father, we're the one indeed blessed by your friendship. And so, Lord, now today, as we observe the Lord's Supper together, I pray that your presence would fill the place. I pray for those that do not know Jesus as Savior, that today will be the day they come to know him. And I pray, Father, for those who need to pay attention to their friendships because the current friendships are bringing them down. God, would you help us today to make a commitment and our friends and to be a friend that you desire. In Jesus' name, amen.